to another episode of Future Nation. You telling me you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? Where we speak with some of today's brightest innovators and explore the future of disruptive innovation. Let's go. Here's your host, Daniel Callow. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Future Nation. I am your host, Daniel Callow. Today, I will be speaking with Brad Krauskopf. Brad is one of the pioneers of the co-working movement. The GFC of 2007 brought with it a rapidly changing workforce. Brad saw this disruption as an opportunity to provide a new type of customer-centric, agile and diverse co-working environment for not only freelancers and startups, but provide scalable solutions for the ever-changing corporate workforce. Today, he is the CEO of Hub Australia, providing innovative workspace solutions to over 3,000 members working in 20,000 square metres of premium office space. I introduce to you Brad Krauskopf. Hello, Brad, and thank you very much for agreeing to be on Future Nation. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for having me. Great to be here. Tell us a bit about your background. Yeah, I'm CEO and founder of Hub Australia, which is what most people know me for. Yeah. Before that, uh, always been an entrepreneur. I kind of often say I don't think I've ever had a real job, but I don't know why I work so damn hard. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think an interesting point there, though, you know, family background was entrepreneurial. Um, you know, mum and dad ran small hotels, boutique hotels. Right. And, you know, 20 years later after saying no to the family business, I'm selling desks and they were selling beds. <laughs> um, but both of us were ultimately in the the hospitality industry. Yeah. And, you know, every day we're judged about the the experience we provide for the people who are coming into Hub. Yeah, fantastic. And before you got into the co-working space, were there any moments where you realised, ah, co-working's the future, this is where I need to be? <laughs> yeah. I think I had the aha moments and then often in entrepreneurship after that, I had the old shit moments. Yeah. Oh, okay, I've got to figure out how the hell to make this work now. Uh, but look, starting with the aha moments, so co-working got its big kicker um, off the back of the GFC. So back 2008, 2009, 2010, right. when everybody went into, well, they lost their job was another way to put it, and then they joined the freelance workforce. From there, uh, one of the first things that freelancers did as soon as they got their independence was they started to come together at uh, co-working organisations and co-working communities because uh, it was so damn uh, isolating and lonely working from home. Yeah. So, you know, all around us, you know, there, there was just a whole lot of disruption happening during the GFC. I had exited from my previous business, which hadn't worked out. And I think it certainly left me with a, you know, I wasn't passionate about that business. Yeah. I wasn't seeing any kind of way that I was really making an impact that actually changed things. Right. I was lucky enough to be able to go to Spain. I was studying an MBA over there and it was there that I came across a group starting up a hub in Madrid. Right. And I think the first thing that grabbed me about co-working where I was like, hang on, this, this is good, was the diversity of different people coming in every day. Running a small business used to be, you know, one to 10 people sitting in a serviced office, you know, dealing with the same stuff every single day. Yeah. Same people, same problems. When you're at a co-working space, sure, you've got to deal with the business at hand and growing that business, 
but you can be part of something bigger. Yeah. Every day you're surrounded by different people doing different things. Yeah. And that to me was like that first thing where I said, hang on a second, this is, you know, this is different. This is a different way of doing things. Yeah. The business model of co-working always existed in the serviced office, but, you know, that was focused on amenity and privacy and, you know, giving somebody the chance to get away from it all. Yeah. Co-working still sells the offices, but then it provides a, a community that goes along with it. And, you know, certainly from a serviced office point of view, you, know, you can get mailing addresses and phone answering and all of that kind of stuff anywhere now. But what really struck people that went to co-working was how they didn't have to do it alone. Yeah. They were in it together with a lot of other people and that's where co-working worked. And then as those businesses grew, co-working also evolved. It was about the diversity of different members. That was my first aha thing with co-working. Tell us a bit more about Hub Australia. When did that start and how did you come about to founding the brand and building that? Yeah, sure. So I was in Madrid, worked with a team over there and they, they were also starting up something that was, it was called Hub Madrid. And I, I was connected with a, a network um, up until about 2012, 2013, which became known as the Impact Hub Network. Yeah. It was very much focused on social impact, on startups, on different kinds of organisations that were targeted targeted at impact. I came back here in 2010, started off what at the time was Hub Melbourne and Hub Melbourne literally started off in a a small space of a couple of hundred metres and we went from there. We did not know how to make it all work. You know, you still got the blank look of what's co-working right up till about 2016. So, you know, we had to essentially pave the pathway forward in Australia as far as what is co-working and what's the value that it could add. Yeah. Now Hub Australia today, it's a home for businesses to grow. We are focused on growing businesses from diverse backgrounds, but you know, the most common kind of business that joins the hub, they're looking for a home for their business, which is say two, three people up to 20 people. Yeah. And they're looking to grow and their businesses where it makes a difference for them if they can attract and retain the right staff to join their organization. So that's where Hub's position itself at the premium end yeah. because the businesses that join the Hub, it's not just about the cheap desk or the flexible desk. It's actually about how do I grow my business? And to do that, I need the best team. Yeah. You know, no one ever grew their team because they had the cheapest desk. You know, you grew your team because you had the best people. Yeah. And that's where Hub's focused. And as we've evolved, we're now across Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne and Adelaide. There's 3,000 members working from about 20,000 metres of space. Wow. And, you know, every day a couple of thousand people come in and work at the hub. And we're here at the moment at your Collins Street address. And I must say, it's absolutely amazing. We love unique and iconic buildings. And like as an Melbourne, where we are at the moment, Hub Collins Street is actually taken over the old George's building. Yeah. If you're in Melbourne and, you know, you're probably above 40 years of age, like myself, you know the George's building on, on Collins Street. We've been able to take what was, a, you know, an iconic space, which had passed its glory, and now we've opened it up to all of these businesses who are all working on their own businesses and their own passions. So it's super cool having been able to open it up to, to everyone back in Melbourne. Yeah, definitely. And for such an old historic building, it's so light and bright and airy feeling, and you can see why people would be waking up early to come to work here. <laughs> That's for sure. Where are you seeing the largest growth areas in co-working? And what do you believe are the driving forces fueling the growth? 
The biggest growth actually around the world right now in co-working is corporates. Often people, when they hear of co-working, they hear of WeWork and, you know, WeWork openly says that 30 to 35% of their members are from corporates. That's a far cry from the freelancer and startup days. At Hub, we work with Australia Post, with NAB, we've had Suncorp here. We've had big organisations with big requirements for security and, and all of those things go along with it. They've all worked from the Hub. So Australia Post and NAB are currently running a innovation program at Hub Southern Cross. And I guess that's one of the ways that corporates use it. They pick project teams or they uh, have an innovation target or something like that. And they look and they go, look, where's the best spot to do this? And not just where's the best spot, but where's the best environment in which to do this? And often they will choose co-working. And in this particular case, you know, NAB and Australia Post have been with us for some time working on different projects, both together and then also separately. So that's one key way. The other key thing would be it's more and more common that projects will come into being in a large organisation and then they'll no longer be required. So what you need is a a space on demand flexibly, but also something that, uh, you know, in the past you might have got a large serviced office or a floor in a building which was a sublet. And to tell you the truth, you can't innovate in that. (laughs) Like, you're, you're, you know, you're picking the team that you want to go and bring up with a new product. Yeah. And then you put them in some bland office floor on a sublet. It's almost like punishment. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And yet you're asking these people to come up with your next big thing. Yeah. We've had Suncorp in with 100 people. Census had a team in at Hub for 60 people. So, you know, these are not three and four person operations. You know, you've got corporates with thousands of people and they're choosing to place teams in co-working spaces. Yeah. The final way that we've also seen co-working is now some corporates are getting co-working operators to come to them and say, hey, why don't you create these innovative spaces in our space? Yeah. Now, you know, that works to a point. But there's all of these different options available now. And certainly what's ended up happening is that everybody now considers co-working part of their workplace mix. Yeah. Whether it's a little bit or whether it's a lot, well, that depends a lot on the organization and it depends a lot on their goals. Yeah. But they work with organizations like Hub um, to help them not just with a desk and a chair, but actually a strategic goal or a people goal. And that's where it becomes really valuable. Let's say a large corporate decides to put a team of 30 within a co-working space. How is it that team can benefit from the diversity of the co-working space? What specifically happens in a co-working space that enables that diversity to take effect and I suppose get the benefits? Yeah, sure. So I probably split that in. There's a hardware layer and there's a software layer. Yeah. That team, quite more often than not being from a corporate, it will be in a private office for 30 people. Yes. They'll have their physical security on the door. They'll have their own IT network. All of that will be provided for them Yeah. because at the end of the day, you need your own space. But then in a co-working space, there's a lot of communal areas. So at the hub, a cafe is certainly where the action always is. But then that corporate could also go and work out in one of the breakout areas or on one of the flexible desks. So there's a diverse range of different spaces that people are able to use. And that's where they're designed for collisions between different people and I guess diverse people doing different things. So that's the hardware layer, but then there's the software layer and that's in particular serviced by the programming side of things or by our team. 
we don't just have a receptionist at the front. I'm sure there's a, there's a host to welcome you and your guests, but there are community leads. We have programming leads. We have a member experience lead. So all of these people are there and, you know, ultimately I'd boil it down to we're, we're there to give you an amazing day at work. One of the ways that we do that is to connect you with other people that you need to run your business, but also that you're looking for personally or for learning opportunities a lot of that comes through the programming. So every week we'll have wellness activities, social activities, and professional activities. They're things that we organize. They're usually put on by members for other members, and they provide the opportunity for members to meet. So sure, the corporate can come and they can work on their WizBank project, but then they can also meet with everybody else and participate in the bigger hub community. Yeah. And what sort of steps would an organization have to take to work out whether or not it's feasible for them to put a team in co-working? I mean, I know a lot of it comes down to creativity and innovation, but how does one work out when they're ready or or let's say when they need to? Is it a reactive or is it more proactive? Look, certainly the successful ones are proactive because otherwise more often than not, that means they've come to us because they've ran out of space. They've responded to a situation and then what we're doing is we're actually filling a space gap, which may be well and good, um, but when we can be of most value is where we're adding to the project that they're, that they're working on. And that usually means that it, it needed to be uh, proactive. Yeah. Of course, I'd say come to Hub, but all of the co-working spaces and communities are different. Now, when you walk into Hub here at 162 Collins Street, it feels different to when you walk into WeWork on Collins Street or spaces on Collins Street. So, you know, take the time to look because ultimately you want the co-working environment that you go into to be reflective of your brand and supportive of the goals that you're trying to reach. Every one of us offers day passes to work from here for a day and check it out. Yeah. Or come in here to the Hub Cafe and just sit there for a day and see all of the different people that come into it. So, you know, that's my first step. Go out there and look and find out which one's for you. Yeah. There's a lot of talk about organisations that are moving their creative teams to co-working environments in order to separate them from the more traditional organisational cultures. What is your view on this? Yeah, look, I always um, caution people about thinking that they can outsource innovation. Like I I think the creative people in all reality, they're the last people you want to take out of your organisation because then you're just going to be – you know, solidifying the old culture. Yeah. Um, so, you, you, it, look, it's easy, look, changing culture and being innovative, it's, it's easier said than done. I'd be looking at having a diverse mix of different people from all departments or from different teams in the organisation and putting them in co-working. Yeah. And indeed, this is where you're also finding that some corporations are choosing to say, hey, co-working operator, come to us. Yeah. The concept that people will go to the co-working space and then drop back to the other workspace at lunch doesn't happen. You know, you go to the workspace that you're going to. So what you'll do is you'll take that team out of your workplace and put them in hub. You won't see them for six months just because that's how people are. Yeah. <laughs> um, so unless, of course, you've organised different programming or different ways for everybody to interact. And yeah. so I'd, I'd strongly urge people to be thinking, how do I get the most out of this? Yeah. As opposed to how do I put the creative guys where they'll thrive? What you want is your whole organisation to thrive. We've talked about local organisations leveraging the benefits of co-working. What about remote applications? Could co-working be used as a way to reduce risk if, say, a brand wanted to test global markets and remain agile? What have you noticed? 
So we have member personas here at the hub and the two main ones that I think would fit with the audience here, there's Established Eddie, which is the, the large corporation, and, and there's Satellite Sally, the large organization that is looking for a home to run a key project or a key part of their business. But then the satellite office, and we're seeing that more and more, more so with startups from the US that will put their Australian satellite office to test the market. We get a lot of that. Yeah. And certainly around the world, a lot of organizations utilize that for their teams. Can you explain in more detail this concept of flexible workspaces? From a property side of things, when we think of flexible, it's flexible terms. It means I'm not locking into a 10-year lease. Yep. There's also another side to that where you don't know what the next big project or challenge or opportunity is that's going to be thrown at your organisation. Yeah. So what you need is to be agile, to be able to quickly assemble all of the different parts, which you know includes people, it includes workspace and, and a whole lot of other different things, but it includes those two things. So you need to be adaptable to whatever market is throwing at you because you don't know what you don't know. And there is absolutely going to be something new just around the corner. Let's talk disruption. Coworking has, for the best part, changed the way organisations consume commercial real estate. In this fast-moving world we now live in, was this real estate disruption inevitable? The commercial real estate, when you look back with hindsight, you wonder how it took so long for it to be disrupted. Yeah. I mean, a business works at the speed of technology these days, but you make property decisions with 10-year, 20-year, and even 50-year life cycles. So in between, you've got a mismatch between a 20-year lease and property decision and a business that changes every two years yeah. <laughs> or every six months, whatever it might be. And in between is co-working. Coworking has provided a way for corporate real estate to help bridge that gap between what business needs and what property is prepared to offer. And that's going to continue taking place. An often cited statistic is that 20 to 30% of commercial real estate will become on flexible terms. So part of that will be co-working, part of that will be serviced offices, part of that will be landlords putting in lounges and other kinds of suites. But to give you a sense of things, we're at about 2% in Australia now. So, you know, there's still considered a huge way to go in terms of the movement towards a flexible workspace. What are some of the other factors that have led to this disruption? The changing nature of the workforce and millennials coming into the market and the, the different technologies that they're using and also that expectation of work. You know, people are expected to work 24-7 these days. You have technology which has enabled work to be done in a completely different way and the workspace just hasn't caught up. So what's really disrupting everything is the new generation of the workforce. And they're coming in and they're saying, I want to work in a different way. I demand to work in a different way or I'll go and work for someone else because I now have a global job market that I'm a part of. I'm talented. I've got the technology. I've got all of these different things and I want a workplace that suits me, not for me to suit your workplace. So that means that now organizations have turned around to property and said, right, you got to give me what I want because I need this new workforce to work for me. And that's where co-workings come about. One of the things that we also see in larger organizations, they use the film set analogy where, you know, you bring together a bunch of talented people, you complete the project yeah. and then everybody goes on to another project. 
we're also seeing the nature of the organisation change where it's not always going to be 100 people working for the one organisation. It's going to be 100 people working for different organisations or indeed themselves coming together to work on one project. Yeah. That changing nature of the way that we actually complete a widget has changed. Let's talk a little bit about the future. Where do you see co-working evolving past here? I mean, we've seen it evolve so much in the last 10 years. No one would have predicted where it is now. Where do you see it 10 to 20 years from today? I think what's going to happen is that there's going to be a lot of other players that come into the market. And I guess the landlords are not going to let all of the co-working operators run away with all of this. If 30% of the workspace requirement is going to be on flexible terms, you can be damn sure that the landlords are are going to want a piece of the action. Yeah. I think more and more you'll see co-working moving to a hotel management style option where you'll have the brand name out the front, like the Intercontinental or something like that, or the hub, but the landlord will still be the one who's actually participating in the business. Co-working, it's not going away now, and more and more people will understand that it's not about the desk, but it's about all of the people that go there Yes, that are providing the key value proposition there. We'll also see technology really disrupting things like virtual reality, I think is one of the ones where it really raises the bar a lot on even a high-end video conferencing system in terms of how you can bring people together. Yeah, Watch this space for, for what happens there. Finally, I, I, think, I think the other big thing that we've got to all grapple with is how technology happens so quickly yeah. and we just haven't figured out what work should look like with all of this technology that's there. You know, you constantly hear about mental health and wellness and all of these different things. And, you know, a lot of that I think is because humans haven't evolved as quickly as technology has over the past few years. And we just haven't been able to adapt the way the workplace operates and catch up to it. So even if people can adapt, organisations take a lot longer to adapt than a single person. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, we know that. You know, when we look at where's this going, I don't think what we're currently doing is sustainable. So something is going to shift in the nature of work and the contracts and the understandings between employer and employee. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully we get there before it ruins too many different situations. But once we've worked that part out, then I think the workspace is going to have to respond again. Definitely, yeah. Brad, you have successfully innovated and grown your organisation in a space that would no doubt challenge many. You spotted the digital nomads from a mile away and accommodated for a rapidly changing workforce. What do you do personally to keep innovative in such a fast-changing world? Uh, like I, you know, like I do do the meditation thing, but that's also not to say that I'm some Zen kind of guy. Like at, at the end of the day, you get through innovations and you get through starting a business by just simply not giving up. Perseverance, that's the one big tip. Look, the power of diversity. Part of the reason why you put yourself in a monoculture is because it's just easier. So I'm, I'm not saying that diversity will make your life easier. What I am saying, it will open your eyes to different things. And lots of authors talk about this one. It's the good ideas come after little iterations. Yeah. The big aha moment that often people talk about, it's really the result of 
20,000 little incremental improvements that suddenly get you to the aha. Yeah. You don't get the ahas without the 20,000 little trials and steps and different conversations. So that's where I think that diversity of conversations and different people and different situations that you put yourself in. Yeah. And then just recognizing that good innovations is an iterative process. Like Thomas Edison once said, he's never failed. He just found 10,000 ways not, not to, to make a light not bulb. To make a light. Yeah, it couldn't be more true. Look, I, I'm constantly learning new stuff. Um, I must admit I'm no good at reading books, but, you know, I do read a lot of like magazine articles and I travel a lot to different places and I, I guess certainly with co-working, I make sure that I know my craft you know, I always want to make sure that when it comes to co-working, when I walk into the room, you know, I've got to be at the top of the game with having learnt from so many other people that when I, you know, when I come to Australia and I come to do co-working, that I'm operating at a good level. And that certainly involved a lot of investment in meeting other operators and traveling around the world and seeing how they do things. Fantastic. And yeah, totally agree. It's the diversity that makes all the difference, I think. You mentioned that you read magazine articles. Do you have a favourite magazine that inspires you? I always love reading Wired articles. I'm not the techie, but I, I love the way that they combine all the different things from business to tech, the way things are evolving, particularly in the future. So that's always a common read of mine. Okay, Brad, thank you very much for being on Future Nation. I do appreciate you taking the time and sharing with us your experience. And I appreciate the opportunity to be a part of Future Nation. We are always looking for innovative and interesting people to be on our show. If you or someone you know would like to share their experience and be a featured guest on Future Nation, head on over to futurenation.co and click on apply to be a guest. If you like this episode, please subscribe to receive future episodes as they are released. Once again, thank you for listening to Future Nation. Thank you for listening to Future Nation. Hey, no problem, buddy. Head on over to futurenation.co. What for? For show notes and more. Oh, and don't forget to share and subscribe.